Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons, or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com. And now, here's this week's sermon. Good morning, church. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 17. We begin in verse 24. We have a very uh, short text today, but it's a powerful one, and I think it's appropriate. Little did we know when we were designing this series that this particular text would fall on Memorial Day weekend when we celebrate the freedoms we have and those who paid the ultimate price for us to have that freedom. Uh, We're going to be looking at a text today where Jesus is talking to Peter about the freedom we have being a follower of his. And I hope you'll see the correlation and the connection this morning. I'd like to go ahead and read this four verses, verses 24 through 27 of Matthew chapter 17 as you get your Bibles ready. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, Does your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon, he asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes, from their own sons or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the sons are exempt, Jesus said to them. But so that we may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line, take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. It's a simple story. It's a story that I've heard about my entire life, having grown up in the church. I've heard this story all the time and and thought, well, it's interesting. Jesus did what he did. It's a common practice. He had to pay taxes. He paid taxes, and that was it. And I missed the entire point. And I hope we don't miss the point today as we look at what Jesus is actually revealing through this. I'd like to make just two points in a very brief message. The first is, let's talk about the freedom we have in Christ. Because that's what this particular passage of Scripture is revealing. The freedom we have. And I'd like to read verse 24 again and and note as we walk the text, a few things for us on this weekend of memory and gratitude, what we should remember and be grateful for. Verse 24. The collectors of the two drachma tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Now, growing up, I always thought Jesus was in trouble. It's like the IRS showed up, right? And they were busting him because he had some back taxes due. But in actuality, there's a few things you need to know. This was not a Roman tax. So it it could not have been enforced with jail or anything else. Because it wasn't a Roman tax, uh, they weren't compelled to, to keep this. It was a luxury tax given by the Jews to the Jews. It's founded in the Old Testament, but it was to pay for the temple upkeep and making sure that the temple was what it needed to be. Now, when the temple was destroyed in the first captivity, or the Babylonian captivity, when they were taken away, this tax was not collected regularly, and it was really collected by the nationalistic Jews, if, if that makes sense. They were the ones that wanted to keep it up. You could almost equate it today. It's a weak equation, but it's close enough, I think. You could equate it to like the price you pay to go into a state park in the U.S. To make sure it's, it's had upkeep and it's open for the public and that it's, it's maintained. That there are fees you pay on top of your normal taxes. Well, this is what that was. Now, these leaders came to Peter. Jesus wasn't there. They came to Peter and they said, Does your master pay the temple tax? This would be a sign of whether or not he was a good Jew, a good nationalistic Jew. And Peter responds, yes, he does. 
But there's a question whether or not Jesus did and Peter just answered that way or Peter just went, yeah, sure, and then walked away. Because he could get Jesus in trouble with the wrong answer. And I believe one of the reasons they asked the question is, can you recall in our, in our study so far through these 70, 80 weeks in the Gospels, has Jesus ever mentioned something happening to the temple in the future? So the reason they want to know is, this guy talks about tearing the temple down. Does he even support it? Does he even care about the temple? He says he's this mighty teacher, but he's not paying the respect our temple deserves. So Peter says yes. Verse 25, they get to the house, and Jesus says, what do you think, Simon? That's a rough question. From who do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own sons or from others? He says, do kings charge their children taxes that they charge everybody else? Or do they just take care of that for their children? And Peter responds, well, others pay it. Verse 26, and Jesus said, then the sons are exempt. Now, the word exempt is actually, the better English word is free. The children are free from this. There's no expectation on them. They don't have to pay it. So yesterday we had the the wonderful opportunity to go with some friends of ours down to their lake house and they have toys. They have one of my favorite toys in the entire world. They have a jet ski. I love a jet ski. I would like to have a jet ski. If one of you would like to give me a jet ski, I would take one from you. It's just that simple because I can't afford one, but they got a beautiful jet ski. And when we went to the lake, knowing they had a jet ski because they told me about it, I was like, oh, I hope I get to ride the jet ski. I hope I get to ride the jet ski. And we went down there and, and I was looking in the beautiful place and we went down on the water and there it was. There's a jet ski. And I was like, I want to ride that thing. But I'm, I'm not one of their family. Because when I looked, their son was on the jet ski. And there he was, all over the place. I was envious. And then their daughter and her friend got on the jet ski, and they went off and over and over and over. And inside, I'm, I'm, I'm acting cool on the outside, like, oh, no, good, have fun. But inside, I'm like, please, pick me. I want to ride the jet ski. <laughs> and of course, it's a gracious couple, and they look at me right away, and they go, do you want to ride the jet ski? And I'm like, oh, if no one else does, it's okay, I'll ride the jet ski. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to hog it, but what I really wanted to do was get on it and never come back. I mean, <laughs> honestly, I wanted to take the jet ski and I want to go. I, I was told it's like a 50-mile radius of this lake. I just wanted to be on it all day and come back if I wanted to. I wanted that jet ski, and it was fun and fast, and I'm jumping waves and having a ball. It was awesome. And when they said to me, would you like to try the jet ski? You see, I couldn't just go and say, get off the jet ski. I want to ride it. Why? Because I wasn't family. Now, if I'd have been one of their sons, I'd have beat up the other brother. Because I wasn't, I had to be invited in. And what Jesus just did was make the same equation I'm making with the jet ski. He says, Peter, really? Do you think that the the owner of the temple should have to pay taxes to keep it up? Do you see what Jesus just did there? See, what Jesus was doing was heading toward Jerusalem. He knew what the prophecies said. He knew that these kind of people, these religious leaders, and the Roman rulers, and... Other Jews would persecute him for claiming to be the Son of God. And he says to Peter this wonderful thing. He says, who pays the tax to live in the palace? Do the people outside of the palace or the people inside the palace? And Peter said, the people outside the palace. The the sons of the king don't pay to live there. And Jesus said, then neither should I. He said, the sons are free. Freedom. Who are free and how are they free? Verse 27. 
But so that you may not offend them, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and for yours. Now, I want you to notice a few things. Let's see if you've been paying attention. And no, it has nothing to do with the jet ski. The temple tax was how many drachma? Two. Jesus said, go catch a fish, and in that fish's mouth is going to be a coin, and it's going to be a two drachma coin? It's going to be a four drachma coin. Do you see what Jesus just said to Peter? He said two things. He said, first of all, I am a son of the king. I won't pay the temple tax. I don't have to. And he said, Peter, you're a son of the king. I'll pay it for you. Church, did you just notice what happened here? This is not just a cute children's story. This is Jesus revealing who he is to us. And here's this wonderful truth that we get to learn today. Jesus not only takes care of himself, but every time he takes care of himself, he takes care of us. See, this is the only miracle in all of the New Testament that you'll find that Jesus performs for his own benefit. Or was it? It was less for his benefit because he didn't have to pay the tax. It was for the benefit of Peter that he paid the tax because he taught Peter a lesson. It had nothing to do with taxes. It had to do with who he was and who Peter was in his eyes. He says, I'm going to pay it for me and for you. And he said, I'm actually going to pay the tax. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to pay the tax so that it doesn't cause anybody to stumble. I don't want it to be controversial. There are certain things that in the New Testament it tells us that you and I are to do so as not to be a hindrance to others. We have the right not to. We have the freedom not to. But we do these things. We, we go along with proper protocols. We are good citizens. We obey the laws. We pay our taxes. We do the things that civil people do so we can live in a civil society. Although we're not of this world. And America's not our kingdom. Our kingdom is so much greater. But if the sons are free and exempt, is everybody? The answer is no. You see, Jesus is making a distinction here with Israel among two groups of Jews. But I want you to notice it's not just Jesus. John the Baptist does it. The apostle Paul does it. And there's even a misunderstanding in our, today, in our day today rather, about what Israel means. For many, they just think it's just the nation of Israel, and it's all become sociopolitical. But I want you to understand that they're drawing a distinction, and they have been from the very beginning of the New Covenant, that Israel introduced the gospel into the kingdom, and Israel has a special place in God's heart, but not everyone who is Jewish is Israel. Let me explain. You see, John the Baptist said to, that he said that Israel needed to repent because they could not claim that they were from Father Abraham. That wasn't going to work. Mere Jewish descendancy does not make someone a child of God. Paul says in Romans chapter 9, verses 6 and 8, Not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. It is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God. Paul makes this incredible distinction in Romans 9, 10, and 11, where he talks about Israel being the church, the new kingdom, the new covenant of the blood of Jesus Christ. And Jesus makes the same distinction here. He says, strangers are those Jews who do not claim him to be the son of God, who do not live by faith in him. Because with the coming of Jesus, a new way of relating to God was made possible. So this may just seem to many of us to be a story in the Bible about Jesus paying his taxes through a fish because he's God and he can do that. 
has nothing to do with taxes. Do you see what he's saying? The temple is no longer the issue. I'm the issue. There's a new way to relate to God, and it won't be in the temple. It'll be through me. Because you used to have to, you used to, have to go to a place, the temple. You used to have to pay taxes and bring sacrifices in the temple. You had to go to a place, and you had to pay a price. And God changed everything through Jesus. Jesus came to become the place, and he paid the price. Do you see what's being said here? It's not just a cute story for the kids about a fish and a coin. It's about Jesus revealing who he is through the power of who he is. Romans chapter 8, verse 16. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. He changed it from a place to a person. He became our temple. And we became co-heirs, joint heirs. We became participants. What does it mean to be a joint heir? It means that whatever Jesus receives as the firstborn inheritance from his father, you and I receive with him. Everything he has earned, he shares evenly with us. He says, Mark, it's your jet ski. Share it. Be open with it. Let others enjoy it too. It's a powerful imagery that Jesus gives us here. Because in Matthew 12, 6, Jesus said something greater than the temple is here. Something greater than this place. It's now a person. So we know what it means to be free as his children. But let's talk about the miracle of freedom and provision. What's the point of the miracle of the coin in the fish's mouth? I think it's kind of funny. One of the privileges I get every week that you all afford me to do is to study the Bible. And I don't say that like, you know, that's what a preacher ought to say. I'm telling you the truth. My favorite day in the entire world is Tuesday when I go in my office, bunker down, and spend six to eight hours just studying and looking and learning so I've got something to share. I've always believed I never learn more than when I'm trying to teach. And in that period of study, I found this kind of funny, that there's this great debate about whether Jesus knew that a fisherman happened to drop a four drachma coin in the water that was eaten by a fish. Or Jesus just created the four drachma coin within the fish. And my conclusion after all this study is, who cares? <laughs> At the end of the day, whether he created the coin in the fish, or he knew that someone dropped a coin, he actually knew where the fish was. And amidst everything he knew as creator God, he knew that fish had that coin, and he sent Peter to the exact spot to drop a hook, and that fish would bite the hook. It didn't matter how it got there, he knew it was there. Is that enough? It's enough to know that our God has got every tiny detail. That's why when Jesus said, he numbers the hairs on our head. It's like, he just knows what he... Isn't it good that God is good at being God? I need a God who's good at being God because I'm hardly good at being human. And in the midst of this, Jesus is revealing it. That all of this came together. So when this guy asks you and I to get in a boat and drop a hook... What should we do? We should get in a boat and drop a hook. When this God tells us to trust him, because he knows what's around the corner, he knows what lays ahead, should we trust that he knows? Would Peter need to rely on this over and over and over, that Jesus has it all under control, that every time Jesus performs a miracle, we're the recipient of it, the power, the glory, the beauty, isn't it funny that 
Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the stories of Jesus, but only Matthew tells this story. For those of you who don't know, let's let the rest of the class share. What did Matthew do for a living? Tax collector. He would note this, wouldn't he? But it's not just that he's a tax collector. Matthew is writing about the kingdom. Matthew's record of Jesus' story is about the kingdom of heaven here on earth through King Jesus. So he's pointing this out, not about taxes and not about fish and not about miracles. He's telling us that Jesus has this all under control. He is king. And he is revealing his kingdom. And he's inviting us into his kingdom. And the story is not only can he perform miracles, but every one of his miracles will provide for us what we needed. The new temple is Jesus. The new presence is the Holy Spirit. The new sacrifice is his blood on the cross. You see, where we've been with Jesus recently is we've seen him transfigured on a mountain where God spoke over him and the glory of God was revealed in Jesus. We've seen him submit to God for the power over spiritual forces through prayer. We've seen him show patience to bring about a deeper faith in all of us. And we've seen his humble authority over all creation. So how are you and I to respond? I want to give you three things on a weekend that we remember and we're to be grateful. I want to give you three things to walk away with here this morning. And then what we're going to do is, when we're done, as we do most every week, we're going to have a time of musical worship. And we're not going to just sing because we've got to kill the rest of the time. Because, you know, Mark went short today. Please note that. I'll take it off from you later, okay? <laughs> but the reason we're going to sing musically and use the gift of music is it gives us a chance to express It gives us a chance to remember. It gives us a chance to express appreciation and gratitude. And so we're going to worship Jesus in a moment. But here's how you start. Here's what would make this weekend fantastic. Would give you a day of contemplation. I want to give you three things to do. Number one, relish the freedom of his worth. Spend some time pondering the sacrifice he paid for your ultimate freedom. Look at his divine glory. Remember his patient power. His willing sacrifice. Remember his certain victory. And remember his humble authority. Fix your attention and affection on him. Spend a few moments focused completely on who he is and why he did what he did and who he did it for. Remember that you've been invited in to be children. He said, listen, you're a part of my family. All I have is yours. Secondly, embrace the freedom to listen to him. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration, within the last 72 hours of Jesus' life, God said these words to anyone who would pay attention. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. When he tells you to drop a hook, drop a hook. When he tells you all that's mine is going to be yours, trust that and live in that truth now. And thirdly, experience the freedom of his renown. Experience the freedom of saying, I know the king, and our king is good, and our king is generous, and our king is kind, our king is thoughtful, and our king came for us, and he died for us. You see, one of the most amazing things about the miracle of the fish is he just said, I don't have to pay the taxes because I am the king. But he was broke. You see, our king came in humble authority. He gave up all his power and all his glory and he lived as a man so he could demonstrate to us that God is faithful even in our poorest condition. 
The reason he performed the miracles, he had no money. And he did all of that to lower himself to a level that we could understand his heart for us. There's so much in this, these four verses about who Jesus is, the one we worship. Remember, think, respond, live as a child of the king because our king is good, is he not? Let's stand together and sing. Thank you for listening to a Sunday morning sermon from Christ Church of Orinoco. For more information about these sermons or about Christ Church in general, visit us online at ccochurch.com.